Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Danelle Barbara Randall is a women's integrative health coach and wellness educator and guide specializing in cervical health and pelvic well-being. Her work focuses on utilizing habit and behavior changes through lifestyle medicine to support the cervix and body as a whole to heal and regenerate all on its own. Danelle works to help women holistically heal abnormal paps and deepen their relationship with their beautiful bodies. She has her master's in integrative health and is the author of the book, Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. Her website, cervicalwellness.com, hosts many free and paid resources to help guide women on the path of healing. You can connect with her on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Wow, this was a really great and deep conversation. And I can't imagine how much more there is to explore with Danelle and all of her work. It was really, really awesome to connect with her, to relive parts of my own story, I felt really inspired and like there are so many tools and things out there available to us nowadays, so many of which Danelle is offering that help reconnect us to cervix. I hope you love this conversation. Good afternoon, everybody. It is once again Podcast Monday and I'm on a roll with just really special aligned women in the world lately. I feel so honored to have had the string of conversations lately, and today I am adding Danelle to the mix. I absolutely can't wait to talk with her, and I thought I'd share, just as I usually do, how this person is sitting here with me. I heard Danelle's story on the Medicine Stories podcast, and I don't really listen to podcasts, to be honest, so I know that it was totally meant to be. Um, Many of you know I've had my own journey with cervix over the years, 25 years ago as a young girl. And really the short version there is it led me to midwifery. So it was the path. It was the path for me. So I have a very soft place in my heart for all of the things I think we're going to talk about today. And of course, the birth connection, uh, the cervix and and what, what that means or what that can symbolize and what all of that in birth. I'm not sure we'll get to all of these pieces, but um, that's, you know, that's where I'm coming from. And, and last but not least, one of my very best friends uh, left this world not long ago, five years ago, uh, almost to be exact, a couple weeks ago, uh, due to cervical cancer. And it's very near and dear to me for all of the reasons uh, knowing her deeply and, and you know, seeing her path um, and knowing the healing that was possible, but just not part of her journey in this life. So on that note, uh, welcome, Danelle. I am just so honored and blessed that you're here today. Thank you so much. I'm 
honored to be here and excited to speak with you about all things cervix. And I just want to also say thank you for sharing that about your friend. And I hope that she's here with us listening about cervix as well. Mm. I just wanted to name that. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like she definitely is. So your journey, whatever version, whatever pieces come out today, I know we'd all love to hear how you wound up on this magical journey to sharing and teaching about cervix. Mm, yeah, well, I'm sure it's just like every every other person who is, you know, doing something perhaps they didn't envision themselves doing. It was my own healing journey. You know, honestly, if you would have asked me seven, eight years ago, if I would have had a whole like business and platform centered around <laughs> the cervix or women's reproductive well-being, I would not have believed you because this is like, like birth or women's health or like the uterus and these things, they, they never interested me when I was growing up. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't interested in like learning about periods or fertility as a teenager or even in my early 20s it just uh that wasn't my interest whereas I know some women who get into this work they've like really been interested and loving of the female body you know most of their life whereas mine is quite opposite Mm. so you know my upbringing and teenage years and even early 20s, I was very disconnected from my body. Um, you know, I was on hormonal birth control for 10 years, just really having unsafe sexual experiences. I really kind of loathed being in a female body actually for a long time. Mm. I was one of those teenage girls that wished or thought it would be easier to be, you know, a boy in a male body. So, you know, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with HPV and cervical dysplasia, abnormal pap smears. And I um, I remember being at the Planned Parenthood and them telling me this, and I literally had like zero idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I didn't even know why I needed a pap smear. No. Also, I just kind of like went in because... I think I heard in college you're supposed to like go get this check, go get something checked out. But right. I didn't know what they were checking. I didn't know. Did, I knew diddly squat. So, you know, I was 19 and the doctor, I don't know, whoever was talking to me at the time was like, oh, you're young. You'll heal. Don't worry about it. And that's literally all they said to me. Hmm. So um, I actually liken that moment to be a pit, like a there was like two ways it could have gone. Like they could have told me what was happening and maybe informed me about cervical dysplasia or like told me about what STIs were like HPV, like about the immune system, maybe giving me some education around pelvic health. But instead they literally just brushed me off and told me nothing. So what what I see now is like, had I had education, it would have been very different for me, but I didn't. So I, you know, I was in college at the time I was living kind of the fast college girl lifestyle, drinking and partying. And, you know, I I was newly single after breaking up with my high school boyfriend. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, having new sexual experiences and I didn't give my pelvic well-being 
a second thought. And I didn't even consider, oh, I had HPV. It was just like, oh, this is doesn't matter. It's I don't have to think about it. So, you know, just to make this very long story sh shorter for this, you know, for the purpose of this conversation, over the next four years, the cervical dysplasia increasingly got worse and worse mm. and worse. And HPV wasn't going away, it wasn't going away. And I had changed doctors at the time because I graduated college and I came back home and I, I was seeing this nurse practitioner. And, you know, throughout those four years, I would ask, like, what can I do? Like, can is there anything I could do to help myself? And they told me I could take lysine as a supplement or folic acid, and that's it. And, you know, they offered me the treatment options of the LEAP procedure. But I actually went and like looked it up online and I went on this forum that was all these horror stories of women who had this procedure and I scared myself. I was like, I can't do this. Wow. Like, this is terrifying to me. I, I don't think I could have this procedure done without anesthesia. Um, and then they also offered me the HPV vaccine and I inquired many times, like, can you tell me how this works if I already have HPV? Right. Like, what? how does this work? And they could never tell me a straight answer. So I refused it. So at the four year mark, I was, I had reached sin three cervical dysplasia. It was like mainly sin two going into sin three in some parts of my cervix. And I was sent off to see this like big wig OBGYN at a teaching hospital because I wasn't quote listening to my nurse practitioner and they're like you're not listening to us you need to go see this like higher authority so I had my seventh colposcopy biopsy like procedure right. and she wheeled around on her little wheelie chair to come talk to me and her I remember her fingers were like ice cold and she like put them on my thigh and I was like oh my gosh what is going on and she basically told me, she's like, you know, you're not listening to us. You refuse our treatments. I'm sorry. There's nothing more we can do for you. And so I walked out of that appointment, truly believing at the age of 23 that I was developing cervical cancer and I was going to die. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I, that's what I really felt. And so that day I went, I just like came home and I took a shower because I was just, I felt so dirty and like shameful like I had experienced a lot of medical bullying over those four years I was told by um, a male gynecologist that I just had had too much sex in my life that's why I was experiencing this wow. and so I just like I was like oh my gosh something is wrong with me like I I'm a bad person or something like I just was ruminating in the shower just feeling so horrible about myself when suddenly like this light came on in my body and it really feels like a miracle because it's like for the first time in my life, I actually heard my body. Um, Cause as I mentioned before, I was very disconnected from my body for up until that point. And it's like my body kind of turned on and was like, Hey, something's wrong here. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I think I can hear you. <laughs> I think I can hear you, body. And like my body told me, you know, something's wrong, but we can figure it out. Like we can figure it out. And so I walked out of that shower. 
And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, we're going to figure this out. We've got this. Mm. We've got this. So for the next three years, I took myself on this like intensive deep dive of all things, body, reproductive wellness, cervix, immune system. How does the body heal and regenerate? I would like devour stories of spontaneous remission around cancer and like spontaneous healing of like really like terminal illnesses. I, um, I went back to graduate school and I got my master's in integrative health because I was like, how does the human body heal? Like, if this is something that can be healed, how can it happen? Like, I want to know, I want to know. And I changed almost everything in my life. I changed my friends, my diet, the way I approached myself. I started to practice what is now called self-care, which was more just like, how do I just like take care of this like body I'm in? And so three years after that moment in the shower, and literally changing most everything in my life, I get a call from my doctor. I had had a pap smear on Thursday, and on Saturday morning, she called me like on my from her home line, and I thought she was going to tell me I had cancer, mm-hmm. actually, because I was like, why is my doctor calling me on a Saturday? Okay, this is very strange. And she called me. She's like, Danelle, I got your pap results yesterday, and I couldn't wait until Monday to tell you she's like everything your the paps are clear the cervical dysplasia is completely gone hpv isn't showing up in your body anymore like your cervix is actually the healthiest i've ever seen it your health your cervix is entirely healthy she's like how did you do it she asked me how did you do it and i just felt so relieved i remember i was laughing and kind of just like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders but then within about two minutes i got mad i was so angry realizing what i had endured all those years um the medical bullying the like the coercion, the fear tactics, because, you know, even in those three years of me actively working on healing my body, I still had abnormal pap smears and I was still being attempted to be coerced into these treatments that I really didn't feel good about and I didn't want. And so it was in that moment I recognized that I was like, okay, if I'm dealing with this, like, how many other women in the world are also dealing with this? And I started talking about it more and I started telling my friends about this and they're like, Danelle, why haven't you ever said anything about this? I'm like, because nobody talks about pap smears. Nobody talks about cervical dysplasia. Nobody talks about these things. And they're like, you have to share this. So I started sharing it and it just kind of snowballed. And now here I am seven, seven and a half years later And I have a whole business called Cervical Wellness where I talk about the cervix and healing the cervix and how to actually take back control of your gynecological well-being because it is possible. And I've seen it happen for hundreds of women. I've received stories from thousands of women around the world at this point of, yes, like healing is possible. And so that is my story in a nutshell. Mm. (laughs) I love it. I love hearing that story. I've heard it before. And I love the way you told it today. And gosh, I think 
you were so brave and so headstrong, really, for someone that felt disconnected, like having been in a similar stubborn. Yeah, much, much more stubborn (laughs) than some women would be, which I think is so, so great. Because yeah, there's so much fear around it. I know I was also also felt bullied into making those choices. And I love how you knew somewhere in you that that was not the right path, that there was another answer. And and the anger, wow, I really, I think most of us will, will totally resonate with that, even in this day and age, like it's not changed. I mean, the work you're doing is changing things. But in the medical world, this this idea that all of our body parts are separate and, and the magic I think you found um, in cervix and, and teaching about that connection is so obvious in so many ways, but yet it's this thing. It's this thing we hide away literally in our bodies and women don't want to go there. I think it's a very mysterious, very mysterious part to so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, sometimes I wonder why I how this unfolded for me and I really think it's just because I was a stubborn person who didn't want to listen to what people were telling me what to do which is a blessing I guess sure anyway yeah cervix guided me back to her and it's changed my life and um yeah I'd be curious I mean I know this is about me but I'd be curious to hear about your experience maybe at another time or if you want to share now but I just I think that cervix is a missing key for much of the feminine embodiment that's happening or even like womb work womb work I'm like I love the womb like the uterus obviously how could I not honor and like be amazed at this place in our beautiful female body but cervix I feel like is forgotten in so many, even in current teachings of womb wisdom, it's like, how can we descend even deeper into our pelvis at like the very bottom, you know, what, what happens there. And I think what you pointed out around how women just don't want to go there. I, I think that's it right there is it's dense and there's a lot of pain held there, a lot of scary things and, that's what keeps us not from living in cervix, but cervix is calling so many of us back to her. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. Dense is such a good word. I feel like the energy collects there. And if we're not aware that that's a place, and I really appreciate that about your teachings because I think, yes, the womb is, is very well known, at least in our circles, Um, But yeah, the cervix is part of the womb. And I think some women don't even realize that, you know, we were just talking about services yesterday in a midwifery study group. And this is kind of another topic maybe, but um, how midwives even don't really honor that this is like the soul of our bodies and we get something like a birth scenario and it's like, oh, the, the stubborn cervix and it won't open. And as if it's this weird separate piece of us not connected to our uterus Mm. not part of our whole being um pulling Mm. pulling the cervix back in birth is like a practice that even midwives have at birth and it's absolutely horrifying if you think not just physically but right like the energetics of of forcing that part of our body when so much is held there will you just talk Mm. more about like how you found your true self i think that's 
so simple and so beautiful and, and something women need to hear. Yeah. So I liken cervix as a place where when we descend and, and kind of like anchor our awareness here, we inherently actually birth who we are in the world. Mm. So, you know, cervix being this birth portal. I love that. As you well know. Um, and so like if the womb, if the uterus is a place of gestation and creation, like how does it then get out into the world? It's birthed through the mm. cervix, right? So for so many of us, we have these parts of ourselves that we have disconnected from or dissociated from, hidden away. And it's like when we're not connected to cervix, we're kind of just, there's like a cork within our personality. There's a cork within our expression. Yet when we as women, that like the, the way I like to drop women into their cervix is actually from the center of the mm. brain, then down the central channel of the body, which is actually the vagus nerve. Mm. So the vagus nerve is um, one of the 12 cranial nerves, interconnects most major organs of our body, and then actually terminates in the face of our cervix. Oh, wow. So when instead of like trying to connect from like the bottom up, if we go from the top down, we are actually it's like pouring a pitcher of water into a bowl, we're actually filling ourselves up from the bottom up. So when we do this regularly, and you know, I, I invite women that I work with and all women to not make this like a precious thing, like, oh, I have to like, <laughs> have a ceremony and ritual to do this. Like, no, like, I do this when I'm sitting in traffic or like I'm in a long line at Costco. You can do it right okay, now. What am I going to do? <laughs> you can do it right now. When we drop our awareness and fill ourselves up from cervix up into our whole body, we undoubtedly become fully embodied because how can we actually be embodied if we're not dropped all the way to the bottom okay if, mm. if this is making sense i feel that yeah so when we are fully embodied we have connection to the, uh, the intelligence of the entirety of who we are like in this in this body all of our organs you know all of our appendages these things and once we are in our whole body what I have found just in my personal experience and in the clients that I've worked with is just these like knowings come forward. Like, oh, I know I want to practice water, painting watercolors. Or, oh, I know I had one client that was like, I know I need to go to move to LA and actually try and like be the singer that I've always wanted to be. And like for me in my life, I just had these knowings of like, oh, I know I need to do this in my life, or I know I need to like wear this type of clothing, or I know I need to like address this wound or address this like schism of energy in a relationship in my life. Mm -hmm. And so as you follow these knowings, when we are dropped into cervix, what I have seen time and time again is there's like this unfolding that happens of who we actually are, where all the pretenses, all the like masks that we wear or trying to fit in 
or like I used to pride myself in being like a chameleon mm. where I could like form myself into like whatever group I was in. Mm. And as I have worked with cervix now, it's been 10 years, as I have had cervix be this like inner oracle of my body, of what I need to do or how I need to move forward or, um, you know, what action to take or whatnot, that I've come closer to like my soul, my soul blueprint than ever before. And, you know, I was deep in like new age spiritual circles for a long time and like doing like rituals and ceremonies and practices to like try to be who I am or whatnot. But let me tell you, that didn't work for me. What worked for me is actually coming home to my body and coming home to cervix and really like every you know there were years where i would like touch cervix from inside my vaginal canal like not for masturbation not for even you know checking cervical fluid just to touch and connect mm -hmm. and i would cry and i would like like memories would come up and mm -hmm. like this like inner storm experience but what i realized what was happening was actually my cervix was just like purging the cork that had held me in mm. it was like this cork of density that needed to be addressed and like sapped like the wound need to be sapped so that i could birth who i actually am into the world and never have i ever felt more confident or sure of myself um, and i really credit it to cervix and i really credit it to filling myself up with my own awareness from the bottom up mm. and then just expressing and being and you know I've made mistakes I have oops moments often but like that's also part of being human and cervix has also guided me to to realize that when we allow ourselves to be who we are and share and express and do the things we want to do and wear the clothes that we want to wear and whatnot that we are actually safe to do that mm. and it gives other people other people permission to do the same and so the ripple of cervix in guiding us to be who we are is profound and um, I really am so happy to know that more and more women are connecting to this place because it's it helps us birth ourselves into the world, really, yeah. truly. You're really, really great at describing that. And I don't know about anybody listening, but I feel like just with your words, just with those simple words, you really can find that anchor. And it's such a different feeling, like you're saying, you know, it's like, that's the root. Like if we're going to sit and meditate and, you know, feel connected to the earth, it's like that is what we're looking for. And it's, you know, it's like this slight difference between what's kind of offered in the world. Um, but it's so important. If that's our truth, if that's our voice, then it makes sense why this is also being hidden, you know, like why this part of our bodies is treated this way. And even all the testing and, you know, giving up that control is so telling you know somebody somewhere knows like that's our power what better way to disconnect women from themselves what better way to instill fear 
of themselves than to like isolate this, you know, yucky, weird part of our bodies that people don't talk about otherwise. It's it's a brilliant plan, really, for just mm. control and, and fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I actually, I spoke to a woman a few years ago who had the LEAP procedure done, and um, she wrote a book afterwards called A Cut in the Brain, because she felt like actually from this procedure, for those who don't know, the LEAP procedure is um, for cervical dysplasia, they t- um, they basically like cut the face off the cervix to remove the abnormal cells. But what, you know, gynecologists don't acknowledge is, is the fact of this termination point of the vagus nerve in the face of the cervix. So this woman I spoke to, I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but she said that when she had this procedure done, she literally felt like she got cut away from her true personality. Mm. That's why she called it a cut in the brain mm. because this procedure cut herself off, cut her off from feeling like her true self. And um, so we connected over this and her story is, you know, is she's now in the process of healing and speaking out about this. But yeah, I've, I've wondered about these procedures and what they do to women's connections to themselves. And, you know, I do, I, I walk an interesting line in that I, I never try to dissuade someone from having these procedures done because for some people like this does feel like it's the best choice. Mm. And my intention with my work is to have the to guide them to have the choice be informed and empowered, not from like a, like, oh, I have to do this, but from a, okay, I understand what is happening. I understand what cervix is. I understand the implications or what the possible side effects are. And then if they still want to move forward with this, yes. However, as you pointed out, like the, the lack of like informed consent the, the lack of like compassion for this like highly sensitive place, the body. I mean, do these gynecologists not recognize that it's also a sexual organ where like mm. cervical orgasms are a thing, you know? Um, right. None mm-hmm. of it's talked about. It, no, mm. it makes me wonder like what, what is going on, especially a female gynecologist. I'm like, have you never felt pleasure in the cervix before? And if not, like then, well, that makes sense. And we got to work on that. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but like also, you know, I, I'd be curious from your experience, if you've seen women who've had these procedures done having complications in birth afterwards, because I've, I've heard that before, yeah. but I don't know how often. Yeah. Well, my story briefly, and I don't mind sharing it, and I probably have here at times, but here we are again. Um, yeah, I had or was diagnosed with cervical dysplasia back when I was, geez, 20. So this is really before even the internet was a huge thing. This was before they could test for HPV. And it was just all of the things you've mentioned. It was scary. It was overwhelming. I really didn't know where to go. I mean, really, the internet's a huge plus to be able to find someone like you. I didn't have anybody that I could ask. And coming from just a mainstream background, of course, you know, parents and all of that were like, oh, well, that's scary. You should do whatever they tell you. 
And to this day, it, it is a regret, but yet, of course, you know, regrets aren't the most helpful. I think it was integral on my path. I did consent to not only the colposcopies and all of that, but um, an actual cone biopsy. So I have like one third of my cervix missing and I didn't seek another opinion. I took the young female doctor's word for it when she was a brand new doctor and you know, it was extremely painful. Fast forward, I don't have HPV. I've never had HPV. I don't know what that was about, except thinking about what you've shared. Just wasn't living the life I was meant to live. I was a musician at the time. It was super stressful. I just wasn't me. I wasn't me yet. So I can see how that makes sense. But um, I'll never forget when they did the surgery, she said to me, you will never have a normal pregnancy. You will always have a high-risk pregnancy. And, you know, it kind of is like making me tear up now. And this is like 25 years ago because I didn't I didn't feel that. Like I wasn't at that phase in my life yet. It didn't feel like it affected me. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's it, what you say. Um, and then I went on to birth, you know, 10 babies. And I always want to send that doctor a letter and be like, hey, you were wrong. And yes, my cervix is altered. But I think just what we've been talking about, I think we have amazing healing capabilities and our bodies are beyond what we ever thought possible. Um, So I won't go on and on. But in my first couple of pregnancies, it was something that doctors monitored. But I knew, I knew just deep within myself that it was going to be fine, that I wasn't going to have a problem. And you know, it wasn't. And I feel lucky about that for sure. I know that's not everyone's story. And I do meet lots of women. Lots of women I work with uh, have had the LEAP procedure. Sometimes it does cause, I wouldn't say huge problems physically, but birth can take longer. It can be sort of Mm -hmm. wonky. uh, Like the labor will feel like they're kind of further into it than the cervix illustrates because there's so much scar tissue there. Um, So yeah, I definitely feel like it's part of it. And I feel like the work you're doing for women that have had those procedures and are pregnant or going to birth, just this awareness, you know, I think there's something about the physicality that is what it is, although we are magical. Um, But there's something about the intention and, and knowing what we hold there or have held there that is so helpful going into the birth process to figure those things out. Like if that's the message, then I think there are messages well you know, well-received often. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, yeah, I love that you birthed 10 babies after she said that wouldn't be possible. See ya. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. See ya. Not true. And I'm glad I didn't (laughs) receive her words as a spell. You know, I think that's also something it's really easy to get under, as you know with the predictions and such. That's part of it is taking that on. Yes. Yes. That's a big part of my work is to, um, is to remind women that doctors are not God. You know, it's like they're in a medical practice. It is not a medical knowing. (laughs) Okay. And also to remind them that like, that they're just words and that really we have the knowing and intelligence inside of us about what 
is actually best. And so, you know, there's, there's a whole conversation around that regarding like the white code and what that represents and everything. But I, I think this, yeah, what you mentioned around not taking their words as truth, but just like, okay, that's just in one ear out the other. And like, look at you now, like 10 babies and it worked out fine. And for me, like, I've been HPV and cervical dysplasia free for as long as I had it. And like, I know in my heart and soul and body that it's never coming back. Like I'm never, it's never going to happen again. Um, When beforehand they're like, see ya, I'll see you when you have cervical cancer. You know, these things, we have to remind ourselves that they are not all knowing and that we generally and usually and intuitively know what's best for us. Yeah, that brings up a question, and I think you will answer it, but of course you don't have to answer it. So with your history, do you consider ever like going there to check those things out? Because I know for me, I don't think I've had a pap smear in 15 years. I'm not into it. I'm opposed. I don't think it's a great way of monitoring my health. It's fine if other people Mm -hmm. want to do that, but you know, since then... I've made the commitment to myself, at least, that I would know if something was up. That's how I feel. But I'm curious just what you've chosen to do. Oh, it's... Pap oh, there smears. There. Oh, sorry. I would say I... Um, sorry, my... Yeah. I have had pap smears over the last few years. And I feel like because of my work, it's actually important for me mm. to go in to know how it's being approached to um because things change things are changing like now they don't do pap smears if you are clear they'll wait like three years until the next one and i didn't know that Mm. and so in a way i kind of use going into western (laughs) medicine and western medical gynecology exams as research Mm. i like that Um, yeah yeah And I also use it as a way to practice what I preach because like I, I, one of my offerings is called the empowered pap guide. And it's just this guide on how to actually reclaim your power in the pap experience. And so going through the process of preparing myself and like writing out my needs or um, my questions or like really setting the stage while I'm in there with the doctor that like I'm in control and they're not in control and I'm going to set how this is going to work. And so in a way I use it as a means to continue to yeah, practice what I preached for research because I feel like with the type of clients that I work with and the women that I speak to, like all of this is so fresh for them, sure. you know, being in the gynecologist's office, having their legs in the stirrups, you know, feeling that, you know, the cold room and it's just not personable sure. at all, that it's important for me to keep my toe in that world. Yeah. Um, but I will say my, <laughs> the doctors have no idea who they're dealing with when I walk I in and they're like, okay, this is going to be a regular client. And then I'm like, nope, this is how it's going to go. These are my questions. What are you doing? Don't do that. You know, and they're like, 
they get all kerfuffled sometimes. Um. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that response. And I did see that, that you offer that. And I think that is so valuable because you're right. Part of the the fear is the whole situation, the whole artificial reality that's created. And, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities to birth in the hospital, right? It's like, we can't, I think we can't be overly scared of that. Like everybody here knows my last baby was born in the hospital just randomly at the last minute. And it was amazing. Like nobody touched me. Nobody did anything. Nobody even talked to me. I went home in an hour because I had that same um, ability that you're talking about that I think we have to learn and sometimes we have to practice to go into that system and get what we need. There's nothing wrong with using what they've got if we want it. And I think that's also a really beautiful part of um, how you're holding space for women in just like their choice of whatever it ends up being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've also, also in the last few years, I've come to realize at least the, I see nurse practitioners uh, that they are kind of like the ones, at least I'm privy to, they are catching on, nice. you know, there's like, there is a ripple of change happening as kind of like the old old people retire and like new maybe younger people come in and maybe they are privy to what's on the internet and they have had these conversations and so you know I feel like the more that we do enter into that world and kind of hold our boundaries and our lines of like no actually this is how I want it to go with like kindness you know there that's another human before you and they did take the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. And so like, they're not, I would hope that they're not there to actually do harm, but to to help guide them in this understanding that actually women are not happy with what's happening. So can we do it a different way? And so that is my hope that through us, those of us who choose to enter into that world, that we are kind of like making incremental changes in the mindset and behavior of these practitioners. Yeah, Yeah, of course. It's so important. And I agree. I don't think anybody means to be harmful. It's just the lack of all the things, you know, I think it's education. and, And again, just this concept of the body being connected and multi-layered and and women taking back their responsibility, I think is a huge piece, right? So I think you and I have both learned from our experiences and we all have them in life where we have to just decide to step up and own it or, you know, we shrink back and we let other people and the external world make those choices for us. So I think it's, you know, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Mm, I agree. Mm. So let's see. How about, I know you work with women all the time, so just like some brief tips, but if people are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I think this is somewhere I need to go. Hmm. How does someone say yes to that? Like, what would you recommend when it Hmm. seems like that is the next step, but maybe there's some resistance or, you know, trauma, things we're talking about that, that live there? Like how, how? How to go there? How? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good question, and it's really it really is unique for every woman. Um, I do say that one does have to say like a be a full yes to the cervical healing journey if you want to do it. Like there's no like waffling because 
<clears throat> the thing about cervix, you know, cervix has a face, the face of the cervix. Cervix has a mouth, that's cervical oz. So when there's something wrong in the face and around the mouth of cervix, really what our body is asking us to do is to face ourselves. Like, face your shit. Yeah. <laughs> so how have you not been taking care of yourself? How have you not been listening to yourself? How have you been ignoring or pushing down the knowings that you have? And for many people, that is a really scary and hard thing to do is to confront the ways in which we have crossed ourselves, the ways in which we have denied mm -hmm. what we know is true and right for us. So that's that like that right there is like if you are willing to face yourself, like look at face yourself in the ways of how have you been nourishing yourself? Have you actually been eating enough food? Are you eating the right foods? Are you like fasting too much or are you like obsessed with diet culture and being thin and whatnot? Like what like what is that like to face? You know, facing the 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 feelings you have about your body shape and whatnot in regards to food that is one area how like what about facing yourself in the realms of sex and how you approach sex and how you, you've allowed people to treat your body what is it like for you to face your um experience of maybe allowing penetration before you are actually ready all these, these like that, that's a whole other trail to follow facing yourself in the way of sex and sexuality. Maybe you're hiding pieces of your sexuality or you're trying to deny it or you feel shame or these things. That is another avenue to face. Um, you know, and also facing what has happened to your body. What are the stories that cervix is holding on to? Because, you know, the pelvic bowl, okay. In any sort of bowl, what falls to, to the bottom center, the things that are the most dense. Mm, yeah. You know, so if like your bowl is filled with water, you put something dense in there, it's going to go down to the direct center and the bottom, which is in our pelvic bowl is where cervix is. So as we mentioned before, facing the density that is there, really working with and integrating your sexual, reproductive, and gynecological history. Like actually facing that. If you have trauma, face it. Hire a therapist. Right. Like do that work. And also I want to name in that in that regard, a lot of what comes up for women that I work with when we're facing these parts of ourselves is actually also the unhealed gynecological sexual and reproductive traumas of our mother uh, yeah and our mater yeah. and our maternal lineage and like if you think when we were in utero our crown was resting mm. on the inside of cervix so it's like we kind of like absorb that density in a very strange mm. way at least that's where my mind goes so you know how to do this is to one recognize your capacity to do so that me and all these other women, we're no different than anybody else in the world. Maybe we have, maybe like I have had more availability than say someone living in Nigeria 
to like, you know, do this work. But I have had clients in developing countries also heal themselves as well, you know. So, you know, looking at the way that you are treating your body, looking at the way of like what the water you're drinking is, how are you reducing your stress? What do you feel in regards to your work in the world and service? Mm. Um, are you happy in your relationships? Are there people that are draining you right. that perhaps you can cut away? You know, sometimes like family is forever. <laughs> so that might be a little difficult, but for some of us, you know, we ha are like hanging on to things in our life, friendships or hobbies or whatnot that are just sapping our energy. Mm. And we have to face that. We have to look at every realm of our life and face it to see if this is who we actually are and to see if this is actually feel like giving us life or taking life away. And obviously we currently, you know, I know we live in a world right now where there's a lot all around us all the time that is sapping us. So that's why we actually need to be exquisitely attuned to what we are in control of and to make choices that, that are helping cervix and not taking life force away from cervix's ability to regenerate and to heal. So, you know, a lot of my work is around this idea of lifestyle medicine mm. and really looking at the realms of like physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and community health and well-being and getting clear about in all of these realms what needs to be addressed and for many of us, I'll just speak for myself personally, there was a lot there. Mm. <laughs> there was a lot that I needed to face. There was a lot that I needed to look at. Um, you know, one thing I'm very candid about is I was in AA for two years mm. because I realized that my relationship with alcohol and substance was just like, mm. this is not okay. And I had to really humble myself to get to that point. So that was just like one sure. thing. And so the cervical healing journey is a very humbling journey where we recognize if there is something wrong in cervix, we have to acknowledge that the way we have been going about things has not been the way that our body wants. Yeah. And we have to take our check our ego <laughs> at the door and be like, okay, what do I actually need here? And then step by step, incrementally, every day, doing things maybe a little differently. Um, you know, we don't want to just overwhelm ourselves and change, you know, everything overnight because sure. that will then ricochet us back sure. to, you know, old habits. But like every day I invite my clients, what is one thing you can do for cervix today? Mm. Like, can you practice touching cervix or can you just put your hands over your womb and breathe there like what is it like for you just to bring your mind yeah. into your pelvis let's just start there okay maybe at lunch instead of having you know to feel yourself just like having a sugary coffee why don't we have like like why don't you just buy like a sandwich you know like even something simple like as as like instead of choosing to just live on caffeine like let's eat some food you know these we start very small 
And over time, it builds. And over time, the snowball effect happens and the unfolding happens and the knowings continue to emerge. And before you know it, cervix has reoriented you back to living in a way that is better for your body, allows your vitality to then be funneled into cervix to then regenerate and heal. And that's what I see happen. So I know that wasn't like, here are like five tips, um, but that is the general theme. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I love that. And I feel like there's so many good things there for people to think about and to feel into and to possibly get in touch with you about because you spend hours mentoring people. So you weren't meant to sum this up in, (laughs) you know, less than an hour. Um, I'm going to include your links, but any particular offering you want to share about or or list them or, or just share about how people can work with you if they'd like. Sure. Yeah. My website is cervicalwellness.com. I have quite a few offerings of running the like, um, monetary, I don't know, with different price points. Um, I do have a book. It's called Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. And that's just a really great kind of like primer. Like if you just want to know kind of my approach, it's a it's a really great primer. Um, I have the Empowered Pap Guide, which is a just a small offering. I have a course, which is really my like signature offering that I've had hundreds of women go through with like really great success. It's called cervical wellness online. And it really encapsulates Mm. most, I don't want to say everything because it's always building, but most everything that I teach in this one place where if you really want to have a blueprint, blueprint or a template to follow to heal your cervix, that course cervical wellness online is what I'd really recommend. Mm. Um, I also have a cervix healing 101 workshop where that combined with the book really also provides kind of like, it's like the book to the cervix healing 101 workshop Mm. to like the course, like that is like the increments of like, what is your readiness and willingness to like dive into this work? Um, I also offer consultations. If you want to talk to me for an hour or I do offer longer mentorships, which if you're interested in that, we can have a chat. Yeah, that's amazing. I've just loved chatting with you today. And I'm so just humbled by your work and the light you're shining in the world and all these amazing offerings to really help women find their power back through cervix. It's Mm -hmm. been an absolute honor to talk with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it as well. Great. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will catch you next week.